0: On today's episode of Gathering the Kings.
1: One thing that I would tell, I would advise business owners to do is weather the storm if you weren't prepared for it. And then when things are booming again next time, don't buy boats and four-wheelers and big houses. You buy those in the down market. Be preparing for that down market during the good market. Stack away and be ready.
0: You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. Today, you can hear my voice is crackling. About to lose it, but today I'm pushing through. I've got Ryan Lucia here on the King stage. My brother, how we doing?
1: I'm great, bro. I'm great I was I was on the couch cheering for my Georgia Bulldogs to pull off the the SEC East and it sounds like you were cheering on Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday
0: that's right, so, that's right. Yeah, we were both yeah. doing a
1: little cheering this weekend
0: doing a little cheering you know it's it's funny because you asked me about that and and I'm not a big football guy you know I'll watch a game you know you were here in Kansas City what else do we have right yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> you're we got Patty Patty Mahomes. he's here that's who we cheer for yeah, but he's um, a man by the way he is, he is good, solid dude. He he represents Kansas City well. But I got the the pleasure of telling you about just briefly our mastermind weekend that we had here, and we were cheering a bunch—not like cheering, but you know, some great business sessions and good relationships, lots of communicating and and uh, going back and forth. Did a cold plunge with some yes. guys.
1: I just started yeah. doing those what, last year or this year.
0: Okay, so I've done yeah. two or
1: three of them already. Yeah, so I it. a couple them.
0: guys are like do it right on a regular basis. One guy's like, yeah, I usually sit in there for twenty minutes. It's like, I, th- I think you might be certified crazy.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's one of those things. I think you eventually grow some, like, I don't know if immunity is the word. Or yeah. Tolerance to it a little bit. And we're actually doing an event in December for a garage door business owners where we're bringing in a guy to teach a class on what's called unbreakable, how to, how to address the high highs and low lows of being an entrepreneur. Yeah, I and, love that. Uh, he teaches on Fuca, which is I don't, I can't even explain it nearly as well as he is. But basically, you're just a, a tough ass dude, and you yeah. need or woman, and uh, you need to rise above the high highs and low lows, okay. to stay consistent. And then he uses the cold plunge as as a like a metaphor. So after he teaches, we all do an ice bath. Yeah, and that's actually really cool because it's very symbolic, to like starting a business or whatever, oh, yeah. where you build it up ahead of time. And you're like, Oh man, what am I doing? How's this going to feel? What's it going right. to be like? And then you get in and all that goes out the window. Right. Oh, yeah. you like, Oh, I'm you're, in it now.
0: You're barely trying to hold on to your thoughts.
1: Yeah. And, and like, I tell the story about how, when I got in the ice bath for the first time I was, it took my breath away. Yeah, it took me like two or three seconds to kind of get that back. And then my chest started kind of like pulsating a little bit. It took yeah. me a couple of seconds to get that back. Then my chin started sh- like shivering. And so I like did some focused breathing and I got that back. And then like 40 yeah. seconds in, it was like boom. Yeah. And I looked up and all these people are around me and I'm like, I think I'm good. And they were like, what? awesome. Yeah. You know, and they're cheering. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy because your body after 40 seconds, my body said, okay, I'm adjusted. Yeah. The the freeze, the pain, none of that changed, but we no. we adjusted. And as an entrepreneur, we have to become so resilient that we adjust to yeah. our our environments. And the ice bath, I think, is a is a great example of that.
0: Yeah. And and to take your 40 second time frame, you had 39 other seconds to quit. Oh, yeah. Lots of choices, lots of times, lots of moments, seconds, if you will, in this example to, to say, you know what, I'm I'm getting out. I'm, I'm nope, can't do it. I'm up, bold, you know, throwing the towel, whatever you want to say. Born and raised in um,
1: Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, we don't, people call us hot Atlanta for a reason. I <laughs> don't like the cold, bro. Like I've yeah. grown up in 90 to 100 degree weather my whole life. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, getting in that was, was a game changer, but it was very symbolic. And It also anchored me in a way where when things come up, you know, Jose teaches breath work and how to control your emotions through breath work and stuff. Yep. And, and that's been like, it it helps because now when something pops up, I think breathe now. Exactly. Like panic or, you know, get elevate my emotions, things like that.
0: So it's really cool. Yep. Dial in and control. Well, Ryan, before we get too further in what kind of business or businesses in this case, do you have?
1: Yeah. So I've got Aaron overhead doors. I started that seven years ago. I left the tech industry. I was executive sales director for a company that got acquired by a publicly traded company. I I really enjoyed it. I was a little bit different than most salespeople because I understood the tech side. I understood the support side. I understood the sales and marketing side. So I could be in all departments. I could kind of bring those together. And that was super helpful. And uh, I was the ninth employee there. And that, that was a pretty wild and fun, crazy ride. Uh, When I got out of that, I want to do something completely different. And I had never owned tools before. I had never fixed anything in my life for the most part. Like I was, I was a, you know, I was a salesman. I wore nice shoes, slacks, you know, shirt my whole life. I wanted to be in a truck. I wanted to get dirty. And one of my boys owns Aaron overhead doors in California and he was like, fly out here. I'll train you to do doors, you know, business, marketing, sales. He's like, yep. I just need to teach you the technical. Flew out there, four and a half days of training, which is not enough. Just so <laughs> come back here, launch the company. And it was, there were many of days where I doubted, but I was all sure. in. And so there was no, no option for failure. Now, seven years later, we got 18 employees and we're one of the highest regarded garage door companies in the state of Georgia three years ago. I got frustrated with a couple marketing agencies that I had tried to hire to outsource Amen. my marketing because I got overpromised during the sales process and under delivered yeah. on the back end, And then, you know, reports were manipulated and communication and all this stuff. So I was just like, you know what, I know what I'm doing. I was like, I'm going to hire a marketing person. My accounting person says, no, you're not, <laughs> you don't have the
0: money. <laughs> so
1: I was like, fine, I'm going to start a marketing agency. And she's like, okay, fine. So I started a marketing agency. The idea was to just hire two people and bring on like three or four clients to offset the expense so I could use those people for my business. And then we didn't do any marketing or advertising. And here we are three years later. We've got about 10 or 12 employees. We're about to hit seven figures in this business as well. So super exciting stuff there. Started a podcast for the garage door industry, which has been phenomenal. Opened up doors. I could never imagine. I'm sure you understand yeah, for real. And then I started GDU, which is a like a mastermind group for garage door business owners. Yeah, uh, we've got about thirty something people in there. Love it. That's been great, not only for me but my whole team. I got my general manager in there as well for my door company. So yeah. I got my hands in quite a few things. And then uh, Q one of next year, we're about to launch another company. Uh, so I can't fully announced that one yet because it's not finalized but
0: well we did i mean thank you for being here just with the with the quick brief history that you gave to us we're going to get into some awesome conversation you're obviously moving and shaking loved the quick transition of forget all these marketing agencies who promise the world and and don't do anything yeah because that's about how it goes and take it into your own hands that's what a king does i love that okay so you gave us a little bit of the backdrop but before i get into more of that why are you doing all of this? That's my big question that I start with every time you're pressing hard, man. You just want to start another company on all of this. Why? Yeah.
1: I'm a builder. I, I, I genuinely believe God created me to build and I love building businesses, but naturally in as much of a pain as it may be, I love these people, but I love building people too. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. you know, when I'm interviewing someone, if they're hungry and compassionate or hungry and passionate about wanting to work here i can work with that and yeah. i love taking you know a 20 something or 30 something year old who's new in their career and wants to do something great and being able to kind of mentor them and guide them through yeah. uh process so i'm a builder and and that's that's what drives me to say my why like you know i came i came up very poor my mom and i she worked at piggly wiggly I grew up in a, you know, seven, 800 square foot house in Macon, Georgia, which probably no one knows where that's at. It's the Nat line. You'll know if you go there, you'll know what I'm talking about. I've driven uh, by it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, for me, I, I have worked excessive amounts of time since I was probably 18, 19 years old trying to accomplish one goal. And that was to, to make enough money to where I didn't have to be a slave to the business yeah. with my debt anymore. Yeah. And then something dramatic happened in 2001. Uh, my girlfriend at the time was brutally attacked and almost died. Wow. And that shifted my focus from, from really wanting to be financially set to really having a passion for people and just helping the world. And so my why has shifted quite yeah. a few times in my life yeah. uh, as we mature and we, we gain wisdom and understanding. That's I think right. it has to. But, you know, I'm also a man of faith and try, try to spread the good word as well.
0: Yeah. I love what, you, what you've done there. <clears throat> a lot of people don't, a lot of people didn't catch what you just said. And so I want to try to split it up just for a half second, because you and me both use a similar language and our stories, you don't know this yet, but our stories are like pretty aligned, kind of crazy wise. But what you said when I asked you about your... Or why, or like, why are you doing this? You first answered with your identity. You didn't answer with your why. You answered with, I'm a builder. This is the way God designed me. And this, once you, when you grab a hold of that, you can walk in confidence, right? And with whatever you're doing. And yes, there's reasons that we're pushing. And, and then you went on to give maybe more of like how you came out of poverty and maybe less than, and, you know, there's just this things that maybe you just didn't have a bunch. And so there's always a push for more, but really it's tied to how God made you. And, and so I'm, I'm encouraging the listener right now, as they listen to you to differentiate those, because we can have a push. We, and the why changes sometimes it grows. Mm -hmm. It maybe changes from just wanting to pay bills to, to maybe building a business, building a business to maybe hiring somebody, hiring somebody to hiring a team to impacting people to maybe, maybe upgrading your lifestyle. Like there's lots of different things that can come into that, but it all is like the foundation of it's all built on who are you? And so did you, did you already, did you always know that? Or was there like something that happened in your life to help you build that identity of a builder?
1: Um, no, I mean, I learned that probably in my early thirties, late twenties, early thirties. And in the first five years, I felt guilty just because I could, I can't stop. Like, it's almost like an addiction, you know, like I, I dream about it. I wake up, With ideas and, you know, some people would look at me and be like, you know, hey, bro, you're you're working too hard, man. You got to slow down. And, you know, I'm one of those people that I genuinely believe when I retire, I got to keep moving or else I'm going to die, you know, just who I am. So when, when I stopped being apologetic for who I was and I embraced it, uh, and then I surrounded myself with people who appreciated it. Like my wife, she doesn't love it all the time, but she, she encourages me and backs me and gives me support and understands. And then also calls me out when I need to pull back or when, when I need to spend time with family more that that's when I think I really started to fully step into my calling was when i started realizing this is who i am this is what god created me to do. i'm a workhorse right like yeah. and and i like to build and i like to create jobs for people and i like to i like to this is my art uh, so that's how that's how i handle
0: it yeah it's good stuff man all right tell me a little bit more you kind of transitioned into this beginning of the garage door company and you wanted to get dirty and i just i think that either relates to the listener from like exactly what they felt, or they just were already in the industry and they took over a business or maybe started something on their own. I want to know a little bit just about like those first couple of years, maybe in the garage door company, or even in the last couple of years in the marketing agency, because it's in the same realm, right? That same kind of build stage. I want to know of a good decision that you made. That's super practical that the listener, no matter what industry they're listening in, they can go apply to the business. I'll
1: give you two just because they are very they are very different. The first one was Aaron Overhead Doors was to hire myself out of the primary role right. and and not try to control everything myself. That was okay. probably the single biggest decision I made over there Tell which us what was that scary.
0: means. Say what? Tell us what that means.
1: So I felt the weight of the world over there and I I I wanted to be the sales guy because I had more sales experience than anybody, but I hired somebody for sales. I wanted to be the face of the company in the garage, helping customers because it's my baby and I want to put my stamp on it. But I knew I couldn't be in 10 garages at once. And in order to scale and get to where we wanted to be, I had to hire somebody for that role. So, and then, you know, the phones, I was the I, I thought I would be the best person for the phones. so I yeah. it was hard for me to give that up. So I ended up hiring to give that up. And what what ended up happening is is that I realized quickly, no matter how good I am at all these things, I'm not good at them combined because I'm pulled in so many different directions. That's so right. if I'm running at twenty five or fifty percent efficiency in all of those, it's better for me to hire somebody who might be 60 or 70% as good as I am in those areas, but their whole focus is in that direction. Yeah. Um. So, so hire myself out, out of, out of those jobs, I think was probably the single best decision that I made over there. And I've got a general manager over there. It runs the day to day now. So yeah. it's not dependent on me. And, you know, I spent a lot of time, with the vision, he and I just went up to Lake Hartwell, for three days, Wednesday through Friday and got a lake house and, you know, we just get the big sticky notes and we're, you know, visionary and planning and talking about processes and breakdowns and scalability and all this stuff where we want to be in the next couple of years. So that's great because he's an integrator and he can take my vision and make it happen. So where I used to be someone else's integrator, now I'm the visionary and I got someone else doing that for me over there as far as the marketing agency, you know, based on the way that we started, the idea was not to grow the company. So when we started to grow, I created a mantra that I would say is, what was it? Um, no expectations, uh, no limitations. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that's very difficult because I'm used to taking every business and trying to explode it as fast as right. you can yeah. That was probably the best decision that I ever made with my marketing agency was just to have that no expectations, no limitations, just let it be. And and it grew wow. organically yep. so well. And um, now like we're growing so fast that it's almost difficult to keep up with. Yeah. So we're hiring a bunch and trying to train and get yeah. everybody ready. So so but in the beginning that was critical.
0: Yeah. So Mm -hmm. that no expectations, no limitations. I I relate to that because there's been multiple businesses that I've started. And usually you get to a certain place financially, personally, where you've got poise. And so you can make a decision where there's no expectation, Mm -hmm. but also no limitation. So for the listener right now, they're in their first business, probably they haven't hit that seven figure mark, you know, They're wearing all those hats like you talked about. They're stressed out constantly because we know how that feels for sure. They don't necessarily have that poise where they can feel to themselves no expectations, no limitations because the next customer, the next client, the next job, the next deal, the next project, it's how they feed their family. Yeah. How does that person get to the poise that you had of no expectations, no limitations so that they can grow organically and it can be real? Yeah.
1: That is a a really tough process. But, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I think the number one thing that really helped me motivate me to push to get out of the job of my business was I knew I wanted to do other things. And so when you think about it like that, and that's not your only baby, kind of feel this relief of, oh, man, like. This is nice. Like I got multiple incomes or, you know, I got people doing my thing for me and there's, there's a massive amount of stress relief that comes with that. And I think we get so honed into the idea that this is my baby and I'm going to grow it that we almost sometimes create these unrealistic boundaries of expectations that we have to where we don't trust anyone else to accomplish those things. And then that stifles your growth. And it's interesting because, you know, I've hired, I've missed on some hires at my door company and we've hired people that weren't great, but guess what? Like we have my Google listing over here at this location. I got two locations for this, for my door company, still got five-star reviews. You know, it's weird. I, I was fascinated at, you know, you're saying that I can go in a garage myself as the owner and give wow customer service. And then I can send some jack leg that I missed on and yeah. he can go in there and get five-star reviews. Wh- wh- what's the difference? Right. I know there's a huge difference because I know what I deliver and very few right. people, in my opinion, can deliver that, especially as a business owner, where I can tell my story. I can yeah. connect with people super quickly. Yep. And then I've got a guy who I realized wasn't you know, waking up. Shirt was all messed up, not ironed. You know, he's just not, not trimmed, not did a good job. Didn't follow the process. Right. Crappy. And he leaves and we still get a five-star review. I'm like, what's the difference? Right. You know? And so my standard is so high that it's hard to work for me. But at the same time, we had to go through that experience for me to understand that I don't have to be the one, but if I can get somebody who's good, maybe not great, but good and then coach them to great that that made my life a lot easier. And then I could feel comfortable letting go. And then also understanding that I had a vision when I started Aaron overhead doors to have five lines of revenue in five years. And it took me seven. But at the same time, that was extremely important to me. And so that wasn't my only thing. And so I tell a lot of the guys in my group is that you know, if you think about your business as an investment, it's a different mindset completely instead of a job or a business. Something that you
0: do for work. Correct. You know, you said a couple of things that I've said myself over the years in different ways. I want to highlight them to the listener because if if it's how you think and I think, and, and it's almost identical, I really think it's probably important for them to take note of. Number one, you mentioned earlier, and this is a lot of this being able to allow someone good to go in that maybe isn't exactly like you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Years ago, I was interviewed for an executive life magazine. And we talked about this where it's like, I had to find somebody first off, I had to stop looking for me. Right. Period. Right. Number two, I had to be okay with their hundred percent looking different than my hundred percent. That doesn't mean that I've lowered the standard. It just means that I'm allowing them to be them. And even though, from a percentage perspective, maybe it's only eighty percent or 70 percent of my 100 percent it's their hundred percent yeah and I had to be okay with that yeah what you said, which I love is the same thing but you said if if I'm doing it all, I'm actually only 25 or 50 percent so you think that you're good at all these things and you are but if you're doing all of them like the listener probably is, right. there's zero chance that the 70 percent guy, can't do it better than you anyway. Yep. Even though individually you may be better at that one task, if you're spread thin, you're not doing any of them well. And so you might as well go ahead and find somebody who's only quote unquote maybe 70% of you, because that seventy percent is a whole lot better than your than your forty percent that you're given right now. And you don't realize that you're given forty, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So no, I just I mean- think You think talking to the customer, you're the best at it. You're the best at booking the job. You're the best at going to the house. You're the best at selling the job. You're the best at invoicing the jobs because you know it's going to be right. I mean, when you get that mentality, you're stuck.
0: Yeah. And the last thing that you said there, I want to point out to the listener. It's not about necessarily having multiple locations per se, because not every business is designed for that per se, but it is about thinking like an investor is what you just said. Not a business owner. So, I, you know, a lot of these guys are stuck in technician. <laughs> they yeah. haven't even elevated to business owner yet. But <clears throat> there's one beyond that, which is investor. Yeah. And it's just, I just strictly give input, money, and, and I'm not involved in the daily at all. And so the listener might be like mind blown right now how two guys are talking about how, you, how is it just an investment? But it's a mindset first. Yeah. you can think of it just as an investment first, then you force yourself to make the decisions like an investor, not like an owner, or even worse, a technician. Technician is going to take care of it themselves. We're already talking about that. Get rid of the 40% that you're putting out. Find someone else that gets you out of the technician role. But even that, elevating yourself above that to think like an investor, you're making money decisions, not necessarily operations decisions, although those are important and you got to do the strategic planning with your guy, like you just said, but there's that there's that you know that stair step elevation for you, yeah. and then that allows you to eventually then be able to actually have multiple investments. It's not this serial entrepreneur, and I'm going all these different directions. It's like no, no, I'm an investor. People yeah. look at me, it's like you're in franchising, you're in real estate, several different sections of real estate, and you have a mastermind group, and you got a podcast, and you got like how do you keep it all straight? You go no, 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 I'm an investor. Yep. You know, hundred percent. What would you say to the guy that's like? scratching his head right now. And he wants to get there. It's exciting to him, but it's far away. What would you say to him? I
1: would say map out the steps. Like if you don't have, if you don't have a strategy and a map, then like a goal destination and what it's going to take to get there, then you're just going to be spinning your wheels. So I'm a big believer in planning, you know, one, three, five, ten, 10. And those are the years out that you're, you're kind of trying to get to. And even if you fall short, I mean, dream big, right? Like I, I, I probably have failed at every single one of my one, three, five, ten goals, but they're so big that yeah. people are still like, "Holy cow, bro, you're killing it!" And I'm like, "Really? I'm not. Like, I that felt in comparison worse. to what yeah, I like, Yeah. So it, you know, for me, it's it's also keeps me humble too because I know that I'm missing my goals and I'm not achieving everything that I want to achieve. Sure. And yeah. and then. It's also humbling in the fact that you understand that it, it takes a team. And in, in my case, multiple teams right. to accomplish our goals. Yeah. And so with that, I feel like it's, you know, now, now I'm completely dependent on all of these people and my other investments. But what's great is, is that I've built good teams that care and want to do great, uh, And then, you know, I'm now to a point where if one falls, which I don't think it would, but if one were to fall, I'm still okay, right? Like, and and there are periods of time where I've had to pull back on my income from one position and I could increase from another position and I don't have to take a decrease in pay, right? Because I'm, I'm able to balance that out and there's tons of tax benefits and being able to manage your businesses and assets this way as well.
0: Yeah, love it. Let's flip the uh, script here, right? I want you to tell me about a bad decision that you've made that didn't work out so good, but we can learn from.
1: Bad decision. I can think of probably <laughs> way more than I should. I'm a, I'm a big time risk taker. And um, I would say that the worst decision that I think I made When starting my door company, which I'm not sure how this is going to help people, but hopefully it will, is I went into it like I was trying to grow the software company.
0: Okay.
1: And I was like, man, I'm going to do, I want to get to 5 million in annual revenue in five years. And I came into the industry and I was, every dollar went straight back into the business. Right. And the problem. Like a tech startup. Yeah. I treat it like a tech startup. That's what I knew. That's where I came from. Right. So yep. you can do that in tech and it scales really well because margins are great. And there's no shortage of people in the industry, excuse me. And they're all online. So you can market that job online and find people pretty quickly, right? Sure. LinkedIn, they're all on LinkedIn. So I can go to LinkedIn, find those people where when I started Aaron overhead doors, <laughs> I- Here I go. Right. First year I do uh, $700,000 on almost my back alone. I hired an installer and an office person. It was really just us three. I was doing service and door sales. I hired somebody to do installs and then I had a person answering phone doing books. Well, 2017 comes around. We're full force market slows a little bit and I wasn't prepared for that. And I also was having trouble finding people. So I needed people and it was slowing. And anytime you're at that growth rate, any slowdown is yeah. not good, right? It hurts so, you financially. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up the first and only time in any of my businesses, I took out a line of credit. Thank you, Synovus Bank, by the way, <laughs> a little plug for those guys to make payroll. And, and so I also couldn't get a truck loan at the time because it was such an early business. They only wanted to give me like Wells Fargo only wanted to give me like some type of equipment loan or something. Sure. Uh, So I used 10 grand of that 50 line to buy a truck and pay payroll and give me a little bit of a cushion because I knew I was going to need it. So that was probably the worst decision. I tried to scale it like a tech company. And yeah. go super fast and my cash flow dried up a little bit in the beginning of 2017.
0: So if you were if you were back in that same spot now, rather than trying to go five million in five years, would the target be different or would the strategy be different? Both?
1: If I was trying to scale that fast again, I would I would probably spend more time recruiting out of the gate, in which we do a pretty good job of now. I feel like sure. not enough business owners make that a priority. Yeah. Like we're willing to spend money to get customers, but we're not willing to spend money to get employees. Yeah. It's
0: backwards because we think, we think they, they, it's an expense.
1: Yeah. So we look at it as an expense. And, and, you know, in the tech industry or most other industries, if you hire a headhunter or an agency, they're going to charge you 25, 30% of the annual income of that person. So if they're an $80,000 employee, you're going to pay them 20%. That's a lot of money. So I look at it as if I'm spending, if I'm spending a thousand dollars in ads every month to recruit people and get them in my funnel so that when I do need people, I can plug them in. I'm trying to find people before positions come open. Right. And and that I think, and I, I wouldn't have known that had that not happened. So that is a good lesson. I think more businesses need to invest in recruiting and hiring and building relationships. I'll recruit people sometimes like my general manager, I recruit them for almost a year. Uh, before he made a decision to come on board, you know, multiple dinners, you know, conversations through text, all that stuff. Right. So eventually something happened at his employer where they kind of shifted the culture and, you know, wasn't as great as it was. And he called me and was like, Hey man, I think I'm ready. Let's sit down and talk about all the details. And, you know, I had been working them for almost a year. So I was ecstatic. Right. So I think if we have that mentality and we pick some of the best players in the game and just look at it as hey i'm going to recruit this guy for the next 1 to 3 years 5 years whatever it takes yep. and build that relationship and you know it, it doesn't always work out but i'm usually get about 60 70% of the people that i target like that
0: yeah so good what what process around decision making do you have now like 7 years in multiple businesses multiple seven figures decision comes across your desk is there You know, four step plan. Is there a a mindset that you have? Like, what do you think about decisions now?
1: That's a good question. I would say that I probably shamelessly don't have a four step process. I am, I'm very much a make decisions as quickly as possible. There you go. That's a stop. And like, just from experience, I'm, I'm blessed to, to probably make the right decision most of the time, 60, 70%. And then yeah. the others, like I evaluate the risk and if the risk isn't like horrible, I'll make the best decision. And then we just rock with it. Yep. Move if, on. if we find out it was the wrong one, you know, I apologize to my team and we make, you know, we make it right and keep moving.
0: Yeah. I think that the freedom really is what you described of, look, I'm going to, I got my history based on the goods and bads that we just even heard you talk about. I've built a little bit of a, of a, you know, transaction history with myself, I feel pretty good. I loved how you said, I love, I make pretty good decisions most of the time. And then you threw out 60, 70%. And I think that most listeners, if you hadn't given the percentage, if you had said most of the time, maybe they were thinking, you know, 80, 90, 95%. And you're being honest and saying, I feel confident that I make good decisions most most of the time over 50%. So exactly. But I'm the, the reality is, is that it's not perfect. Yeah. It doesn't have to be, But at the same time, when you look back, you've made more good ones than bad ones and you continue to get better and better and better. That's the point.
1: That's the biggest issue I see with business owners right now. You know, I do consulting and perfectionism is the enemy of growth and it's the enemy of, of culture. It's the enemy of financial success. I mean, it is the enemy of everything you're working towards. You literally cannot be a
0: perfectionist
1: and grow a company at scale Super fast. There's no way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of um well, you get stuck. You get stuck in the detail. You get stuck in yeah. the weed, you get stuck in the splitting of the hair, whatever, whatever analogy we want to use. Okay, I want to switch over to the speed round. My first question in the speed round is around KPIs. I mm-hmm. um, want you to give me both, but I want it to be the same answer. So think marketing agency, think doorhead company or the garage door company. The most important KPI. The, if you can only pick one metric to track forever and ever, what would it be?
1: I would definitely say website conversion. Love it. Okay. Because with that, I'm a marketing guy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I love it.
1: That tells me I've learned everything around that. So I can, I can manipulate a lot of things based on that number.
0: Yeah. And that's really the the purpose of the question is what's, what's the one thing that you know, like the rest of it, like I can calculate as long as I know this one thing. Yep. So you're, you, you're about traffic. If I can get traffic to the website and it can convert the I can figure out the rest.
1: Yep, because I can get X amount of phone calls. I can get X amount of leads from the phone calls. We're closing at an X amount of conversion rate or you know close rate on sales, yep. which results in X amount per job, which results in X amount gross profit, which net profit. So to me, I think that's probably my number one KPI is traffic and, K, and, and conversion. And if I can throttle that based on my needs, the rest trickle down based on previous
0: history. Yeah. So good. What book would you recommend, Ryan, for a business owner trying to scale? Good to great. Would you take away from the book? Yeah, it's a great book.
1: That leadership matters and that, you know, there there were times where I would want to check out. And yeah. that book helped me realize that I needed to stay focused and that great leaders are willing to take risk and empower their people to do great things. And the the great companies did great things in bad times where other companies would pull back and right. those companies typically aren't around anymore. So those yeah. are some of the things I learned.
0: Well, you, you, it all stems back to the leadership, which you said at the beginning. Yeah. You know, the, the leader is the ones that, you know, put the right people in the right seat on the bus. The leaders are the ones that, Make the moves when everyone else is contracting. Right, it all comes down to that leader or leadership team, and so I just think that you're right. It not only is a phenomenal book, but for the listener you're paying attention right now. I'm not talking to you, listener, right now, so it's like you're you're trying to get to the next level, which is building a team. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Six to seven figures is building a team, growing sales and marketing, and so I'd to like listen, to
1: address something real quick too. Yeah, if please you, jump I, in. So, you know, I say I say invest. I say invest during downtimes, but, but if you, if you weren't preparing for the downtime during the good time, it's probably not a good time to invest in the downtime. So there's cycles, right? And so one thing that I learned uh, early in my life, and I was blessed to have some, some wise people in my life teach me about finances, everything happens in cycles. And typically around 10 years, a catastrophic event will happen. And this is history and we've learned this and so you if you the good times are when consumers spend money and make the intelligent rich right so if you save during the good times and you spend during the downtimes you're you're making yourself rich because you have a mindset of i'm not being a consumer but when i am being a consumer i'm buying at a discount because everybody else is pulling back but right. you're trying to buy assets during the downtime And then that way, when the good times come up, then you're a seller. So you're a seller in the good times, you're a buyer in the bad times, but you have to prepare during the good times for the bad times in order to be able to equip yourself. What I see right now, and this is common, I've seen it my entire life. Businesses don't prepare for the bad times. Things have slowed down a little bit in the market. Phone calls have slowed down a little bit for some people and they're panicking because they are, throw in cash at AdWords, mm. trying to fix the problem. And that's not the solution. That is not the solution. So everybody knows. And one thing that I would tell, I would advise business owners to do is weather the storm, if you weren't prepared for it. And then when things are booming again, next time, don't buy boats and four wheelers and big houses. You buy those in the down market. And be prepared, be preparing for that down market during the good market stack away and be ready. And, and that's the mindset of, of wealthy people. And I'm trying to get that to that point where I have that mindset and and I've transitioned and continued to transition over the last couple of downturns. And I was able to level up during COVID. I know that sounds horrible, but I was planning for it for the last five years Prior to COVID, I was waiting for a market Slash. crash. Yep. When it happened, I seized the moment. And now I'm, I'm in a position where I can take advantage of certain opportunities more so than a lot of people. So I would say it's a long game and we have to get out of the micro and yep. focus on the macro. And as business <clears throat> owners, you can't do that if you're answering the phone in the garage, right. in the attic, you know, putting on the roof yourself, whatever. It doesn't matter. Yep. You have to get out so that you can see the big picture.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What you just said, as far as operating in the micro, if you operate in the micro, you can't think in the macro. You have to, you have to be in both. And I love what you just said, as far as being prepared. And even just the, the advice of hunkering down, if you're not prepared, don't, don't try to overexert or overextend in our event this past weekend. We've got a guy that's probably going to do, I don't know, four or 500 million this year in business. Nice. And, um, He, we did a little Q and A session with him, and he, we asked him if he could talk to his younger self, basically, or or if you could give just one last piece of advice. He said, "I would, I would be more frugally personally. If I could go back, I'd be more frugal. I mean, pretty frugal individual." He he flew to my house on a commercial flight. Sure, he could own a jet, you know. Yeah, I would be more frugal personally more ambitious in my business. It's like, okay, do you even think that those are different? You know, like right now as a okay. listener, are you really even seeing those as different? Because the frugal personally is what you're talking about as far as preparing, preparing, yep. preparing, preparing. Ambitious is, okay, what time frame is it? What season are we in? Yep. Let's make the move. Love that. My next question is about intentionally networking or masterminding. Obviously you have a mastermind. So I would love for you to tell me the difference between networking and masterminding, the value of each, and then tell us a little bit about specifically your mastermind.
1: I suck at networking. Personally, I believe I am, I am much better in an environment where we have a focused conversation and I create, I think of networking, like going to BNI or whatever that we're asking.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's value there, right? Yeah. It's networking for business referrals. Right, you know, right, right. Or masterminds, stuff like that. I'm just
1: not good at those, yeah. to be honest with you. Like I, I really just shell up in those environments a lot of times. And I yeah. because I feel pressure like I'm supposed to like I'm on a blind date and we're supposed to yeah. get married one day. And and it's just <laughs> too much pressure for me. Like so the the mastermind in my opinion is just very different. The mastermind community, regardless of industry, I love masterminds because for us, especially it's like super niche. You got garage door owners who are meeting with other garage door owners and we're discussing challenges that we have. And through those challenges, we're teaching each other and then also providing answers from each other on how we could view it differently or things that could have been done differently or can be done differently differently. And the education, like I was telling somebody this the other day, like I dropped out of high school, right? Yeah. But I will pay 10 grand to someone who has the information that I need and still oh, yeah. be hundreds of thousand of dollars cheaper than if I would have paid for college and no offense to college. College is great, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't even know how to learn or what I wanted to learn now that I'm a business owner and I know yeah. really what information that I want to learn, I'm willing to pay for it and education, especially, I think a lot of people are catching on to this is if you can pay a couple grand a month or whatever, and get an education from other business owners who are at, or, you know, at where you're at, or at where you want to be. totally, So worth it. Right. And that's why I started that to make that affordable for, for all different levels of businesses and be able to contribute. You know, you might have a guy who's, you know, 5 million, you might have a guy who's 1 million, but the $1 million guy has a different background. They will give a different perspective that helps a $5 million guy. It's it's so different and unique. And I think that's the beauty of it. And I really enjoy masterminds for that reason.
0: Yeah. You know, I find what you just said, that, that benefit of, you know, maybe we're at different stages, maybe that we're working on different parts of our business, but the experience, the connections that that person has, that I don't know that that person has until I present the thing I'm working on. And he says or she says, "Hey, I know a guy. You need to talk to Ryan. He needs to do he needs to do your your uh, your marketing or whatever." Right? Yeah. The the know it all versus learn it all mentality, I think, is you know what keeps people from those environments. But when you get into those environments, it's the five million or the five hundred million dollar guy who just this weekend was like, "No, look, guys, I want to learn something from you this weekend." Yeah. You know, like, and there's something the to learn from
1: both, day. though, too, right? Yeah. Because. Like, I love, you know, I, I told my pastor one time, I was like, you know, the greatest thing that I learned from new Christians, and he's like, what? And I'm like, my zeal is gone. Yeah, exactly. my, 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 my hunger, the reason why has faded, right? Totally. And it's the same thing with business you see these young cats coming into the business and they're like dreaming big. And they're like, man, I'm going to kill it. I'm going to be this. I'm going to do that. And yep. and as naive as some of that may sound, ambition, it's exciting. Yeah. And the energy is there. And for yeah. me, I'm like, dude, I need, I, I need to hang out with this cat because I love his <laughs> energy. And although yeah. I'm, I'm older and in a different place in my business, I still love that energy. I, yeah. I love, I You're love a builder, passion. Well. Yeah. I'm a builder.
0: Yeah. I'm going to take it and run with it. It's mm-hmm. mortar. It's mortar for the building, right? It's, it's yep. that's the glue. Good stuff. Okay. I got one last question here for you, Ryan, and we'll wrap up. I want to know same question that I just kind of told you that we asked uh, this other guy, but if you could whisper in the younger Ryan's ear, what would you tell him? How young is he? <laughs> the younger Ryan. I don't know.
1: <laughs> uh, man, this could go so bad. I would say that As hard as you work, you're going to be successful. Just enjoy the moment. Enjoy the process. Enjoy the journey. Don't be so focused on the end results because it's the journey. It's the missed opportunities during the journey you'll regret the most is probably what I would say.
0: Yeah. Missed opportunities with family, with the team. Family,
1: personal life, team you know not just being so headstrong and focused on on the end result it can't right. be all about the end game it needs to be about about the journey you need to be present you know i think that relationships i value them more now than i ever have before that's right at all different stages all all relationships that i have in my life are very different and i wish i would have embraced that sooner and then you know i've made a lot of mistakes in my life and I would also say, like another one would be, you know, don't regret it, just learn from it, yeah because you know you go through stages when I was like seventeen, I drop out and start selling drugs, and a lot of people got hurt through that whole process, and my best friend was murdered and all kinds of stuff and you can live in that regret and have that have that hold you back and hold you down and and cause mental anguish and emotional stress, or you can use that to drive you and I think I think I used it mostly to drive me, which, which also played a role in me not being present because it was a way for me to escape the pain. Yeah. So those two tie, tie in together for me.
0: Yeah. Huge. Probably we could have a whole other show just on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ryan, you've been incredible. How can the listener find you? I want to just highlight a couple of things. They might be, you know, listening in the service industry and need marketing services. They might be a garage door company specifically, maybe wanting to join your mastermind. Maybe they're just an entrepreneur they want to connect to you. How can they find you guys? Maybe they're not. Maybe they're in your area and they need their garage door serviced. Yeah, <laughs> How can they find? Never know.
1: I would love that. So. We are, I'm everywhere. So Ryan Lucia, Facebook is probably where I'm most active, to be honest with you. Put a lot a lot of YouTube videos on such and such media, Aaron Overhead Doors. So you can follow us in all those areas. If you want to check out my mastermind, you can go to garagedooru.com. We also have a summit that we're doing in December in Dallas. If you want to check that out, that's also on garagewareu.com. We're going to be doing a workshop basically on how to how to do projections, planning for 2023, 2024, 2025, which is mindset, things like that, how to, how to overcome the slowdown in the market, how to manage your flow, et cetera, et cetera. So um, th- those are going to be, that's going to be a cool event. So if you're on the door industry, your business owner or, or general manager or whatever you want to come to that, it's going to be really good. You can find that at garagedooru.com and then Ryan Lucia, Facebook. I'm pretty active there. I respond to all messages. So if you hit me up, it may not be immediate, but I'll get to you. And I love, I love talking to people and just learning. And I, I prefer relationships that are mutually beneficial. So there's also relationships where I know you might be at a different stage and early and I enjoy pouring into people as well to help them out.
0: Yeah. Love that. Well, uh, you've, been, you've been incredible here today. You've given so much of value, not just in your time and being here, but sharing your experience. I just really, really appreciate that selfishly. I'm glad that I met you. I think that this is the beginning of something pretty cool. I can't wait for uh, you and I to line up. Our stories are, are kind of weirdly aligned. And so I can't wait to spend some more time with you. Thanks for being here. Blessings on you, your family, your businesses, your teams, the whole deal. Thank you so much. Yes,
1: thank you for having me, bro.
0: Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight, and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1000 Kings specifically, who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family and communities. And here's what we believe that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.